Welcome to the Jesus Said Love podcast. This is a space where we talk about what it means to awaken hope and empower change. Listen, for over a decade, Em and I have been fostering relationships with men and women who've been impacted by the commercial sex industry. And it's through those relationships that Jesus Said Love was born. We figured it was time to talk about what this ministry has taught us and is still teaching us along the way. I promise it's gonna be a place of conversation and story. And we hope you learn something new. Maybe you see something in a new way. Fun fact, you're gonna hear music because Brett and I are musicians. Yep. We can't just talk, nope. we gotta sing and play too. We do. Here's the deal guys. Our hope is that as you hear these stories, that you'll tap into your own story and that you'll be encouraged to live and love well like Jesus. Hey, Brett. What up, Aaron? I'm exhausted. That's what's up. Me too. We have just returned from a week-long mission trip to Puerto Rico with our family of five plus four others from our church. Okay, um, can, can I stop you right there? Can we talk yeah. about the fact that we said on, on social media that we were going to actually podcast from Puerto Rico. I think you said I that. And I actually <laughs> loaded up a bag with all the podcast gear and carried it through four airports to and fro. And we didn't podcast in Puerto Rico. I know. We didn't do the four disciplines of execution. We didn't. That we're learning about. And so now we're standing in our kitchen. But honestly, I don't know that there was like a really natural time to do that. This was a working mission trip. It was, but I really wanted the guy that walked backwards with the patriotic hymns to (laughs) show up on the podcast so maybe I'll just have to work him in. Well, we, maybe we can link that picture That's in that true, video. That's true, with the video. Yeah, Because you website. people have got you to gotta see this greatness. It. Yeah. So, tell us, Brett. So, <laughs> I'm excited about today because we have some really special guests on our podcast. This is their first time podcasting. Yeah. Um, this is their first time kind of being out front. Um, and we're excited to have... All three of our children. Yeah, it is exciting. And it was it was such an incredible experience, I think, for us to be there as a family and to we've never done a mission trip together as a family. We've never done an overseas or international mission trip as a family either. And this required probably a pretty maximum amount for all of us. And I have a few thoughts as we walked away from the trip, but before we get there, um, I just want to introduce who our children are. So, Hattie, why don't you go ahead? Tell us who you are. You're our oldest. Hi, um, I'm Hattie, and I'm going to be junior in high school. I go to Live Oak, and yeah. And how old are you? I'm 16. So you just got your driver's license? Yes. How do you feel about that? Uh, Makes me feel a little too old. I don't know how I feel about it, but... You know, driving's fun, so we're glad to have you on the show, <laughs> on the podcast. Next up hey. is the middle child, Lucy May. Yes. Hello, guys. I'm Lucy, and I'm going into ninth grade Woo-hoo! at Live Oak Classical School. Classical. Do you speak Latin all day long? Oh, yeah. You know, I'm fluent. Okay, very good. language. Very good. Okay, so then our youngest, uh, tell us who you are. I'm Gus. I go to Live Oak Classical School. I'm going into fourth grade. I'm nine. And what do you love to do, Gus? Play basketball. And what was the coolest part about the mission trip? 
It wasn't the basketball goal. It was the beach. But wasn't it cool that there was a yes. basketball goal there right when we arrived? That was pretty awesome. So we got to set the stage. So yeah. we have a team of nine people from our church. Five of them is our family. Mm-hmm. And I was the oldest. Gus was the youngest. And... And so here we have a nine-year-old on a mission trip with all adults. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself as we're flying, this is going to get interesting because I know we're going to do some significant work, you know, hurricane relief efforts. And he's nine. It's his first time. And, I mean, you and I both were kind of thinking, Lord, give us something. I mean, we had the iPad and that, but he can't do that all day and we got to work. And sure enough, as we get to the church where we're staying and what is right outside our door, Gus... A basketball goal. <laughs> Not just a basketball goal, but basically a full court basketball experience. But most of the time, the court was wet. So. That's true, but that did not stop y'all because you played basketball every single day. Is that right? Yes, except for one, though. Except for one, when the, when the yeah. tropical disturbance was there. So let's set the stage. So we show up to um, the church that we were partnering with. And this church is a church that, uh, Baptist church, um, I can't ever say the full name in Spanish. Iglesia Can you say Bautista. it? Yeah, you said it. Iglesia Bautista de Metro- Metropolis. You got to roll yeah. that R, girl. <laughs> Metropolis. So, Jesus Garcia was the pastor, or is the pastor, and they host teams all summer who are doing different service projects. So, we were there from Waco, Texas, but there were also teams there from, uh, I think, Christian Endeavor, Pennsylvania, Virginia. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, we were all kind of housed all over the little suburb city of Carolina, uh, right outside of San Juan. And our accommodations were in the church nursery building. Uh, it was kind of a shed in the back of the main sanctuary. And what we didn't know was that it was going to be divided up, guys and girls. So, Brett, you and I did not get to really see each other, say, you know, well, hello, we saw good each morning, other, good night. Right, right, right. But I mean, like our normal we didn't get to routine. It was like, it was like camp. We, there was no snuggling. It was guys and girls separated. And um, yeah, so also this was a detour from our original... Uh, mission trip that we were raising funds for to go to Cuba, but that ended up not working out. And so we got relocated to Puerto Rico. And um, so it was, it was a lot of learning flexibility. I think that's one of the things that we really had to acknowledge was that we had to be flexible with this because Jesus was making space for nine more people to join the team and the work project. Yeah. Which meant just a lot of Adaptability. Absolutely. I mean, a little bit of history here. Um, Hurricane Maria hit the island as a Cat 5 mm-hmm. back in September of 2017. And Jesus described it as eight hours of a power washer going over the entire island. Wow. And um, as you can imagine, a Cat 5 hitting an island on all sides. There was nowhere to go. Um, and it totally destroyed the power grid. Um, we experienced some of those blackouts even while we were there. And, and we're coming up on the two-year anniversary. Mm-hmm. And I still remember driving around and seeing houses that were just left because they were just completely destroyed. Um, or, you know, I think on the last day, Jesus was telling me that um, that people had blue tarp roofs. You know, if you're in a hurricane area and FEMA comes in, they give you the blue tarp for your roof. Uh, they had blue tarp on their roof for over a year and a half mm. before anyone would come in to help. And another thing that was interesting, I thought 
was that um, it's not an, a, a typical insurance situation. So in Puerto Rico, a lot of a lot of homes are are built around families, and they're handed down generation to generation. Well, paperwork doesn't change right. from that experience. So you have a house that has it's titled in someone's name from seventy years ago, but when the person who actually experienced the hurricane in the house. Uh, goes to make an insurance claim, their name is not on the deed because it's the family property. And sometimes they didn't even have the deed. Right. Sometimes it had been in the generation of, you know, generation after generation for so long that those papers were non-existent. It was just understood that this was their family property. Right. So FEMA and the insurance and the basically the <laughs> United States government had to figure out how to flex and make some concessions for Puerto Rico. Because after all, it's... It's Puerto Rico. It's a kind of a country mm-hmm. with a culture, and yeah. but yet it's a United States territory, and it's governed by the United States. So it's a real interesting thing. We it is interesting. About. Yeah, it was really interesting, and I think I was so grateful for, um, you know, Valeria was the first uh, intern and translator that we were paired up with, and she was so open and honest about the fact she's going to school at the university to be a social worker. And she was really open and honest with us about how, you know, they would claim they're Puerto Rican. They're not American. They may have an American passport, but but Puerto Ricans consider themselves Puerto Ricans, right. not Americans. Uh, so they have s- several privileges of having American citiz- citizenship, um, but they certainly desire to preserve and protect that Puerto Rican heritage yeah. and culture. So Lucy... Talk to me about thoughts that went through your head before we actually got on the plane to go. What were you thinking? What were you kind of gearing yourself up for for this trip? What were maybe some of your fears, some of your... Expectations. Yeah. What what were you thinking? This was your first mission trip, so... Yes. Um, So, as y'all may know, the governor resigned right before we went Mm -hmm. to Puerto Rico, and... We didn't know, we knew that there were protests going on, but we didn't know um, if they were violent or peaceful or, like, what was really happening. So we didn't know if it would affect our flight there and, like, affect our experience. But when we got there, we went to Old San Juan, where the governor's mansion is, and literally people were celebrating. There were people doing yoga on the streets, and we were just like, what is happening? So um, it was kind of... It was a really cool experience because everyone is so accepting there, and I think we don't um, we don't know until we experience it how other cultures um, do do things differently. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that was. How about kinda... you, Gus? What what were some of your expectations going into it? I was expecting hard work because that's what we were supposed to be, and that was what we were supposed to be doing, and we did that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It was really hard, but we got through it, and now we're here. Were yeah. you nervous about anything? No. No? You were ready to take it on? Yes, and then I got sick. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll come back. We'll talk about that in a minute. Hattie, you got any thoughts? Just kind of pre-trip pre, pre thoughts, expectations, <laughs> nervousnesses? Uh, oh, wow. That's a lot of S's. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been on a mission trip before. I went to Port Arthur last year with two of my best friends, and we helped with hurricane relief. So when we detoured to Puerto Rico, I kind of sort of understood a, the gist of what we were going to be doing. So I did expect to do a lot of 
like manual labor, I guess you could say. Like there was one day when we chopped grass, it was my height. I'm five eight down with machetes that were like dull. <laughs> so I, w- I was kind of expecting stuff like that. So I wasn't too surprised whenever we had to do that. I, w- so. I was really wanting to get to, to do some sheetrock work because you are quite the sheetrock hanger mm-hmm. given your experience in Port A. And uh, we didn't get to see that. I know. It's kind of fun, but <laughs> guess guess we'll have to see it another time. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. Hey, Em, what about you? Did you have any expectations or fears going into this deal? I think some of my, if I can speak to the fears, I think my fears and concerns were, you know, how are our kids going to handle being every disruption or discomfort laid out? Because I knew going into a mission trip with, you know, flexing as we already were, not knowing and really having a solid partnership yet with the Puerto Rican church there. I was just a little apprehensive probably and prayerful about like, how do, how are the kids going to do this? How's Gus going to do that? You know, with being the youngest one and what is the energy that's going to be required and will he have enough? And, um, yeah, so those were probably more of my concerns was like as a, as a family, how we were going to get through this. Yeah. But it's also why I wanted it. It was also, really, I was the one who wanted this mission trip. You were the driving force. Yes. I was not. No, (laughs) you were not. And um, I wanted us to have this experience together. I wanted wanted the discomfort, the disruption. I wanted our children, especially as we prepare, you know, the next couple of years to send Hattie off and leave the home. I, I wanted to really test Mm -hmm. what we've taught our children about the kingdom, about gospel living. I know that we live on mission and our lives are pretty continually disrupted by needs that we have within Jesus said love, but you know, it's, it's our only context. And when you disrupt that context and you take it overseas where everything tastes different, everything looks different, your sleeping is different, your, you know, requirements, your engagement with people, there's a language barrier there. All of that was going to be disrupted. And that's what I was asking for, you know? So while it was my ask, it was also some of my greatest concerns. Sure. too. I think my biggest concern, I think this is I don't know if it's selfish or not, but I I definitely, it's something I wrestle with. And that's, we constantly live in ministry land. And we have asked that of our kids. Well, I mean, I guess we didn't really ask it. They just were kind of born into it. They didn't really get a choice. I mean, they were on the road with us. Mm -hmm. You know, Hattie was in the studio at two weeks in Austin where we were working on an album back then. And, you know, Hattie and Lucy know about getting up super early on Sunday mornings to go do sound checks at strange churches. And Gus has been held by strange people, <laughs> you know, that he just doesn't know. And so the last thing I want is for them to ever resent their growing up experience because you sacrifice a lot when you when you when you're in a ministry context. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I think I thought, is this mission trip going to add to that? Mm. Um, I it's also- going to be another another thing where they're going to go somewhere foreign and it's not for, it wasn't a vacation. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't that, but, um, I was wrong. Yeah. And I also think, um, as much as we've, you know, flexed and been in ministry in our lives have been disrupted several times 
our kids also have it really good. I mean, we are so blessed. We are so fortunate. We have a wonderful home. We have wonderful community friends. Um, I mean, by all, by the world standards, we, you know, live very privileged lives in a nutshell. And so I, I still, I mean, it's kind of like the question of like, um, you know, you, to obey is better than sacrifice. So it's not always about sacrifice. It's about obedience and what God is asking you to give and where God's asking us to give. And so, um, it, it, there's never like a, you know, you can have pride in poverty and in ministry as much as you can have pride in wealth. And so I don't think it's about, uh, for, for me, as I look at our lives, it's not about like, well, how much can I give my life away, but not too much, God? Sure. I mean, where's the stopping point on when I get to say no? Like, where can I? And so it is it is a tension because while we have to take care of ourselves in order to continue giving, God never asks us to quit giving. Sure. Ever, ever, ever. There is always going... The, the purpose of filling up is so that you can be poured out. And we have spent our lives both pouring in and pouring out, pouring in and pouring out. And that's the rhythm, you know, mm-hmm. of the kingdom. Lucy. <laughs> yes. You're up. Favorite memory of the trip. Oh. Or you can do two. Um, highlights. What are some of your highlights? I don't know. It's all so fun and great. Um, probably connecting with the people there um, because... We just the people of Puerto Rico are so beautiful and amazing, and um, their culture is um, so different from what I've experienced in Waco, Texas. Obviously, <laughs> um, so yeah, we just most of the nights we'd come back and play cards, and I one of the best conversations we had is um, one of the the pastor's daughter and the intern Marissa. Shout out to Marissa if you're listening. They were just asking so many questions about Jesus had love, and they were asking me and Hattie, like, hey, like, what's it like growing up in this? Like, are you guys to the side of this, or are you, like, in it too? And so she was just asking so many questions, and we just, like, connected um, with her through mm-hmm. JSL. So You said you fell in love with the people of Puerto Rico and that there were so many differences. What, what was something different that you noticed that was really beautiful about the Puerto Rican culture? Um, like I said earlier, everyone's just so accepting and like not worried about what everybody else is doing or like how they're living their lives. And I think we can learn from that because I've experienced like here, like we, um, care so much about what other people think and are doing and like trying to like control them. But everybody was just kind of in their own lane Mm -hmm. and, um, just doing their own thing, and I love that, and I wish we could be like that too. Yeah, we could learn from it. It was a really interesting time to be a part of that protest that you guys were a part of. I was back at the um, shelter with uh, Gus, and, you know, I think one of the most beautiful things was to see the people come together so peacefully and and to be able to demonstrate and remove someone from office. Oh, yeah, here you go. Yeah. In a peaceful and celebratory way, like even the police there were just smiling. You guys said. So it kind of. I mean, I want to set that up. So we're, you know, we're down. We we had already been to one entrance <laughs> to the governor's mansion, which 
is absolutely gorgeous and overlooks this bay and no telling how old it is. I mean, it was crazy awesome. And so we worked our way around Old San Juan and, and ended up at another entrance, kind of more in the city part. And uh, you could only get about a block before the actual entrance to the governor's mansion. They had it all blocked out, kind of a block perimeter. And they had these concrete blocks, barricades, and there was a line of cops behind that. They weren't really, they were just kind of standing there cracking jokes. It wasn't intense. And so we're down there in this just huge mass of people, and it's real celebrative. And, and people are getting up on the concrete blocks, and they're waving the flags. And I just kind of stood back, and I thought, this is really cool. Mm. Like, for them, this is very historic. Like, they raised their voices. This guy was not a good guy. Mm. And he did a lot of things that um, came out in writing and on texts and um, just had just really abused his position. And they said no more. Mm -hmm. And they won. And I think that's really cool. And so I leaned over to Hattie and I said, I couldn't find Lucy. I don't know where she was. She was shopping somewhere, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, you know. Um, And so I was like, Hattie, get up there. Get up there. And she was like, really? I go, yeah, do it. Just hop up there. So she hopped up there and then everybody around started cheering and they handed her a flag. And she, so, you know, here's this white girl who's clearly not Puerto Rican and she ascends to the block. And so how do you take me there? What did, what, tell me about that experience for you. Well, I mean, I thought I looked pretty Puerto Rican if I do say so myself. Oh, that's true. That's true. Until She's wearing a Puerto Rico oh, yeah. shirt right now. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. That's true. Um, well, I wasn't the only one that got up there. I also got up with Melissa, so shout out to Melissa. Yeah. Hi. Um, but we got up there, and, you know, there's a language barrier. They're all speaking Spanish, so we can't understand them. They can't understand what we're saying. But I got up there, and they all just, like, swarmed us and were, like, cheering for us, and then they started, like, handing us their flag. So I have a little flag sitting right here, uh, the Puerto Rican flag. And it was just really cool, and it felt just like a big party and... It was really cool. And then we got down, and someone came over to me and my dad, and we were asked, like, oh, where are y'all from? And we were like, oh, we're from Texas. And she was like, oh, you get it, like, revolution. So, <laughs> um, and then I had to raise the revolutionary fist to her. <laughs> yes, I get you. Remember the Alamo. Remember the Alamo. But, yeah, I mean, there, there was, like, this, this connection. And granted, I wasn't at the Alamo, though some people probably think that when they see this your white beard. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it was just such a neat, connected moment with those people down there. And it was not threatening. It was not frightening. It was a party. And I was told that anytime Puerto Ricans have an opportunity to party, they're going to do that. Yeah. So, Hattie, was that your highlight of the trip, or is there something else that you wanted to share? I think that was one of my main highlights. Oh, there was another night that was really cool. So I'm really into making um, friendship bracelets. So <laughs> I brought a whole bunch of string to the trip just for, like, whenever we had downtime and whatever. And Valeria, who my mom mentioned earlier, um, she came over to me and was like, hey, can you teach me how to make one of these bracelets? And um, so we just, like, sat down one night while everyone else was playing spades, and we just, like, made friendship bracelets. And we talked about Puerto Rico and how she came to, like, be fluent in English because I was like, I want to be bilingual. That's so cool. So we kind of talked about language and the culture and made bracelets. So, yeah, yeah that was fun, too. That's cool. Gus, man, what's your favorite memory? Beach. Why do you? I mean, I, you, we, it's, it's no secret that our family loves the beach. So, we, well, first of all, we went to two beaches. 
Yeah, my favorite was the second one because one reason I saw a puffer fish. You yeah, did, that's right. And then the second one, it was Sand Dollar Beach, but we didn't find any. No, we looked real hard, didn't we? Yes. No go. What did you love about being at the beach? Well, we, uh, we, we, my mom and me bought this thing. It's like these paddles and in the water, our leader was playing with me. Hattie and Lucy were playing with me and it was really fun. Yeah. Like the paddle ball. The paddle ball with the racket ball sort of deal. Yeah. 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 You had to bounce that well, back and it had the Cuban flag on it. Puerto yes. Sorry. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Puerto Rico. Which, by the way, yeah. I will say the Cuban flag is just an inverted color version correct. of the Puerto Rican flag. I that's wonder correct. whose came first. I don't know. We'll have to look that up. Yeah. Fact check that. Yeah. Um, Gus, I will mention one of my favorite parts was just watching our team come together and how Adam, our uh, Truett Seminary intern at UBC, and also Dylan, the youth minister and Truett Seminary student as well, really took Gus under their wing. And um, they became Uncle Dylan and Uncle Adam. (laughs) And we just, they played basketball with you. They were so uh, just nurturing, really, and, and fun and like big brothers. I do um, think that was one of my concerns going into it was Gus is nine, such a drastic age difference. And is he going to get bored with the adults doing adult things? But those dudes stepped up and really loved him and looked out for him. And, and Gus, you know, the first couple of days you had a little bit of a travel belly, right? Yes. You weren't feeling good. And so, you know, Alpha, so we, I got it. Oh my gosh. The, yeah, I'm going to put a picture out. on the website. Our transportation for the week <laughs> was Alpha One. Security Solutions. Alpha (laughs) One was a van circa 92, maybe. The AC was out. The AC was was out. And the AC in the back would switch from heat to air, heat to air. Fuego. And they would have to (laughs) call out Fuego and we'd have to turn it off and then turn it back on. But (laughs) so we're on Sunday, we're headed down to old San Juan and it is hot. So hot. And the humidity is like, go to Houston and hang on. One week ago today. so yeah, that's Crazy. right. And uh, by the time we got there, I mean, Gus, you're you, your car sick. You're not feeling good. You're white, mm-hmm. and so you and mom, we just Ubered you back to the church, and you all rested. And and then the next day, um, we get to our work site, and again, you're not feeling great. And so, what were you th- what were you thinking when you were feeling bad? Were you, what was going through your mind? I was sad because I really wanted to do it because it looked really fun. And whenever you wanted to do the work project, yes. oh, with the machetes. And whenever my stomach was hurting, I got really sad and mad. <laughs> mm, yeah. So when you got sad and mad, you were you were mad because it meant you had to miss out. Yes. Yeah. That's a that's a bummer. But the really cool thing is 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 after you and I were back. So mom went back with you on the Sunday, and I went back with you on the next day, and um, you were determined to rest. So that you could go back out on Tuesday, and you did it, mm-hmm. and you overcame your sickness, and you never threw up. That was good too. That made. Well, you I know. felt like I was going to. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever we're walking back to the nursery. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's amazing what um, you know the caretaking. I think that our team took from each other. I think Toaf did our missions pastor you know, a good job about, you know, checking in and making sure everybody was 
doing cared for and doing what they need to do. So lots of little trips to Walgreens here and there to make sure we had what we needed. Lots of coffee stops stops too, because turns out um, they, they kept serving us coffee in the mornings in little shot glasses, but it wasn't espresso. This was regular, like Folger style coffee, coffee. black coffee, but but it was like in a tiny, tiny a styrofoam so Dixie cup. I definitely realized my caffeine addiction, full throttle. Yes. I I need coffee. Me too. <laughs> and so that was one of those, like, you know, that was one of those hurdles to kind of get through of, uh, I'll drink about 10 of those. Yeah, we did. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, everyone got three. Yeah. We ended up three cups of coffee, three it was, shots. It was about two sips. Totally. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. terrible. It was funny. <laughs> Yeah. But is there anything else you guys just really want to share just about what um, this experience? Would you do another mission trip? Oh, yes. You would? Yes. Yeah. Even if even if you knew um, it was going to be hard, you were going to have to sweat and, you know, serve. Yeah, because the work didn't really feel like it was hard. Don't get me wrong. But I had fun doing it because we were with the team and we were all like laughing and like talking. It seemed like it went by super quick. And then we just went back to the church and just chilled and did Had whatever. So it didn't feel like super hard. So if I was with a team, yes, I would do it again. It was also nice of them for serving dinner for us. They made it. That's it was very, very true. Nice. Yeah. I have a question. So a week ago, Sunday, today, we were in church. We went to the church and um, the, all the worship was in Spanish. And so what, what did y'all think about that? What were your thoughts? I thought it was really cool. Um, basically, what they did was they just did, well, when we were there, they did, like, songs that we would hear in the States, just translated into Spanish. So, like, if you knew the tune of the song, you knew the English words. And so it was kind of cool to see, like, the language uh, contrast, I guess you could say, between the two mm-hmm. worship situations. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was cool. And then Jesus got up there and started singing. Yeah, he's a good singer. I was surprised. It was really cool. Jesus is the pastor, and and he kind of came up during the last song and um, leading into his message, and he joined the worship team, and he he threw it down. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Shout out to Jesus. Shout out to Jesus. He kept kept laughing. He he goes, hey, Brett, put put my number in your phone so that you can show people you have Jesus' number. (laughs) That was his big joke. It's like, all right, Jesus, on the fifth time, I was like, okay, it's not funny anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a great, um, it was a good service. I just, seeing the way that different people worship God across the world is, I think, one of the coolest experiences. It's always a treat, no matter where you are, and just to... You know, um, I think Melissa, who was our now kind of our adopted sister since we had to stay, you know, guys and girls. So Melissa was a single is a single woman who was a part of our team, part of uh, our church. And and so she said we went up for a prayer time at the end of the service and everyone from the congregation came and brought us a Puerto Rican flag and then spoke a prayer over us. And Melissa came back and she had tears in her eyes and she said, I don't, I just don't even know what that woman prayed over me, but I could just feel Mm -hmm. the compassion and the grace of Jesus over that prayer for my life. And, you know, there's so much to be said for that, just about generosity, compassion, and disposition that really it's beyond language 
it's, it's always even beyond like language makes it easy Mm -hmm. to communicate, but there is still so much you can do even when you don't understand someone's language. We want to take a quick second to tell you about an incredible social enterprise. Lovely Enterprises is the social enterprise of Jesus Said Love, and its aim is reducing recidivism into the sex industry by providing livable wage jobs and launching micro-businesses. So take a listen to Stephanie, one of our entrepreneurs, applying for her Lovely Microloan. Lovely has given me the steps and connections that I need to turn my passion into a business. It's a business that I, as a single mother, can run with ease, all the while teaching my kids some business essentials so that they will go down a different path other than the one that I chose. So check out Lovely online at ourlovelystore.com. We're also on Instagram as Lovely Enterprises and on Pinterest, or you can come visit us in person at 1500 Columbus Avenue, Waco, Texas. Everything we make and sell is ethically sourced and socially responsible. Listen, if you're a boutique owner, we can also create a wholesale account for you, just like we do with our friends at Magnolia. When you shop Lovely, you literally change lives. Well, I kept thinking even during the songs and we're, we're singing, I mean, we're, we, they threw it back to some Hillsong mm-hmm. 1990s. Darlene Jack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, it was kind of fun. I awesome. even think they got shot to the Lord in there. They did. Yeah. You're right. Just we the did. Person, oh, they they did. They sang shout to the Lord. And, uh, I don't you go, remember guys. that. Yeah. Just, right, they just tagged it. it. They just tagged the chorus. But, um, I kept looking around the room thinking so many people here have lost so much. Mm-hmm. Like so many had lost so much from the storm. And there were, there were people who had now been coming to the church because the church had actually gone to serve them mm-hmm. um, in, in getting their homes back together. And they worshiped with such intensity. I mean, it was ferocious mm-hmm. um, when you looked around. We, they, they sat our groups in the center of the room. So it's like we could hear them in stereo around us. And, and for me, that was just special to that even in the midst of so much adversity, they can find joy and they can dig deep and bless God in the midst of that. And I also thought they, they've hosted 25 teams already this year. Mm. And the one, the one the week before was like 96 people. And I just kept thinking, okay, so all these people come to their church, bunch of white people speaking English. And when do they ever get to be just them? And they don't have to have a translation. <laughs> they can just... Because it is. It's, I mean, when you sit and you have to listen to a message when it's translated, it almost becomes doubly long, as long because you say it in English, then you say it in Spanish. And, it's, you know, I, I would feel Pastor Jesus's tension because he's getting revved up and he's ready to bring this point home, but he's got to stop so that the lady who was translating for him could catch up. And I just kept thinking, I wonder when they get to have their moment where it's just them and their community but even in that, they were so gracious and hospitable mm. and welcoming. And it was just, I, I, it ministered to me a lot. You know, I think whether you are hosting someone um, who is coming to help you or you are the one going to help, both require so much. And it, it did, while, yes, we were going there to serve in the church and be put to work wherever they were going to put us to work. There is no doubt that church, they were spent. I mean, the interns, the staff, the cooks in the kitchen, Mm -hmm. you know, it's so they're creating this space for giving as we're coming to serve. All of us are giving, right? Like all of us are being tested and pushed and extending beyond our 
capacity sometimes. The other cool thing I do want to say that the church did, Gus, what did you think about the Wednesday night while church service was happening across the street, salsa lessons? Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do y'all still know how to salsa? Of uh, course. Yes. Okay. Yes. I think I could be a salsa instructor. Like, so I'm how so cool good. is that that, you know, the Baptist church is like putting on salsa lessons for mission teams as they come in, which was just so cool. I mean, it really was like so fun. They were uh, Eric, the far, the guy who did. Oh, yeah. The, so whenever he so we were salsing and every time he turned around, instead of saying smile, he said, Mile. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. It was really funny. It was funny. Um, he was the farm, uh, the farmer who we went to the plant and vegetable farm the first day to work, and he had cultivated the city dump and turned it over, he and another staffer. But then he also teaches salsa lessons. He's an enterpriser, we found out. He runs several just kind of micro businesses to kind of, he's very resourceful and, and you know. Well, that was such a cool story. And I mean, he had just bought this section of the old dump, uh-huh. and so it was loaded with everything you find everything. in a dump. And he, he bought it this past October. And I'll put pictures on the website. He's turned it into this beautiful space with flowers and all kinds of vegetation. And so our responsibility that day, that was our very first work project, was to prepare this area so he could put new beds in. And so our responsibility was digging up a lot of the dump things. Tilling I mean, the we, ground. We found clothes and... We found a real car. We just didn't get it out. A whole it, car, didn't we? Go? We worked yeah. hard on it, didn't we? We, we also dug out a sink. Like a whole sink. <laughs> Which you might be sitting there thinking, okay, great guys, you dug up a sink. This wasn't just any sink. This was a steel cast iron. Well, I guess if it's cast iron, it can't be steel. It's <laughs> it one of the two. I think it was it iron. It about, weighed about 9,000 pounds, and it, it was, was angled. It was about five feet into the ground. And how long did it take y'all to dig that? For It was it the, took whole the whole day time. that I'm we gonna, were there. I'm going to say it took us a solid three and a half hours. Yeah, uh, for sure. Four. Easily. You think four? Four. Okay, you may be right. Yeah, because y'all started before the lunch break and then... Yeah, we started for like an hour and a half and then we... No, like we started for like two hours and then we came back. Had lunch. It took shovels. Mm-hmm. It took hand shovels. It took us a pick. Took us a pickaxe, a hoe, uh, and then the specialty tool that Eric had made, which was a lifesaver. He made that. He mm-hmm. did. I know. Mm-hmm. That tool was magical. It was magical. So we got it out, and it was a major celebration. And I have a picture that I'll put on the website so you can see the feat that we did. But anyway, all that to say. Eric had such a vision to turn this beautiful space, I mean, this crappy, ugly space, yeah. into something so beautiful. And then and he taught salsa lessons. And then he taught salsa lessons. On Wednesday it was night. so fun. What did you like about it, Lou? Well, you got to dance with him, got too. To, I did. Oh, I yeah, danced with yeah. Eric. He got a little upset um, <laughs> because I quit. I didn't know how to turn correctly, so I just kind of did my, I kind of turned in my own way, just kind of made up my own. And what do you mean by upset? He said what? He said, we were, I was doing fine. Well, he also started doing this like crazy thing that he didn't teach us, so I was already kind of thrown <laughs> off. Um, and I, he said, okay, we're going to spin. And I was like, okay. And then <clears throat> we did. And he goes, what are you doing? <laughs> but like, and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do this. So <laughs> it was kind of funny. And I was just laughing the whole time. What did you think, Hattie, about salsa? I thought it was... I thought it was fun. I'm not much of a dancer myself. <laughs> um, so this was a bit out of my comfort zone, to say the least. Um, but it was fun. And I taught Leah how to salsa yesterday. Oh, yeah, Leah, <laughs> I your did. friend. Yeah, Leah, my friend. So 
That was fun. That's good. Yeah. Um, girls, did y'all meet any cute boys while you were on this? Um, I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, so, we'll just, we just kind of have to keep that a little bit. If you could only private. see the smile on Lucy's face <laughs> uh, right now. Lucy did. Shut up. Yes. So <laughs> there were these two twins. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Gus is telling. You can't say All right. What happens in Puerto Rico That's stays in, in Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico. <laughs> I won't finish. So Good. all in all, would you guys say this was a very successful trip? Yes. 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 And I know for a fact that we inspired people because, and I'm not saying that that was like the point of the trip because we we were trying to impact, but <laughs> oh, we were also yeah. being impacted. But I was talking to one of the girls from the Virginia team, and she said that she thought it was so cool. And her and her friends were talking about it that we were all as a family, and they were like, "Oh my gosh, you guys are so cute! Like, I want to do this with my family." So that was really cool to hear because I did, I wasn't really thinking about like us being as I mean. I was thinking about us being as a family, but it wasn't like, oh, my gosh, this is such a big deal. It was kind of just like, oh, we're going on a mission trip. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Do you, do, you, do you guys feel like God taught you anything while you were there? I think that um, I learned how to, like, be more open. You know what I mean? Like, accept, like letting people in more, like, mm-hmm. Accepting them for who they are, because like as Lucy went on about, the people of Puerto Rico are very accepting, and so I think that was something big that I can do a better job of, just like mm-hmm. appreciating people for who they are and like their culture or like differences, and I think we can learn from that. So I think I kind of um, learned something before we left because we were all like for months we were like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited, I'm preparing for. Cuba and then all of a sudden we get switched to Puerto Rico and I'm just like oh my goodness what's gonna happen like um is this gonna be different than what I because I have all these expectations and um I think God taught me that he's in control and even though it feels like sometimes that we can be in control which you know it's kind of comforting for me um that we have so little control and he is in control of everything and we can't do anything about it, and we just have to let him do his work. And, yeah, so. I think that's good. good. I'll preach. What mm-hmm. I thought is, so, you know how Lucy said we were going to go to Cuba, and then we got switched to Puerto Rico? Whenever we were in Puerto Rico, I was thinking what we were going to do in Cuba. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what did God teach you in that? Was there, or is there something that? You thought God taught you as you're... So you're in Puerto Rico, and you're the whole time you're thinking, what would we be doing in Cuba? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Like wishing you were there or, or being thankful no. that you were in Puerto Rico? I was thankful that I was in Puerto Rico. I was just wondering what we would do in Cuba. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So maybe... I don't know. Do you think... Do you know what contentment means? No. No. Um, <laughs> kind of being at peace with where you're currently at. So like, did God give you peace for the shift that happened in Puerto Rico? Did God give you a peace about that? Yes. So it's not like you were missing the idea of Cuba, but it's just curious about, hmm, wonder what, yeah. It's interesting. What about you, Brett? What's the question? What did God teach you? 
I should know the question because I asked. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're all still tired. Yeah, we're definitely still tired. <laughs> I will. I will say that. Our, so our last work project, um, we were at this church that had suffered a lot of damage, kind of up on a hill, and one of our tasks was to scrape this iron fence. And so, from about ten o'clock till four o'clock, I scraped along with everyone else, most everyone else. Scraped and scraped and scraped, and I had paint and metal shavings in every nook and cranny imaginable. We were just covered in it. And a lot of that time, I had my headphones on listening to music or podcasts, and I was listening to one podcast, and it, and it told a story that I found really cool. Uh, it was um, about this jazz pianist. He's an improv piano player. And he recorded an album in 1975 in, is it Cologne, France? Cologne? Cologne? Yeah, Cologne. Cologne. Where they make all the perfume. Where they make perfume. Yeah, that place <laughs> makes sense. Makes Cologne. That's <laughs> why they call it Cologne. So anyways, he, he um, jazz, improv, super popular guy. 1975, he shows up to the venue and he had sent, as all musicians do, he had sent his expectation of the exact specific Bosendorfer piano that's supposed to be there. If you don't know anything about a Bosendorfer, it has an extra octave, a ninth octave in the bass. And so that gives particularly classically trained people an extra uh, things to play with. But he specifically wanted it because he's an improv guy, so he never knows where he's going to go. But here's what happened. So he sent this specific one, and the sound techs sat a completely different piano. They sat a baby grand Bosendorfer that didn't have the ninth octave, that was actually just a simple rehearsal piano. It hadn't been tuned. It was rickety. And um, our dog is about to bark right oh, yeah. in the middle of the story. Go What's get him, guest. Put your headphones it's down. Okay. You can go get him. So, um, so he gets there, and he's furious because the wrong piano is there, and he doesn't know what to do. So he says, I'm not going to do the concert. And he ended up getting persuaded to do the concert. He goes, all right, I'll do it. So he sits down, and they recorded it live. That was also the plan. And to date, that was in 1975, to date, it is the number one selling jazz album Mm. in all of history. And what, as I was listening to that story and I'm scraping and scraping and scraping, I was taken back to when I, on, on the very first day we arrived and we walked into that room where we're going to stay. Mm-hmm. And what was communicated to us was you and I, Emily, we're going to push our beds together and we were going to have our little, yeah. our little space and our kids would probably stay with us. And yeah, that wasn't going to happen. No. And then I look at the mattresses and they're maybe a quarter inch thick <laughs> circa 1940 youth camp. And they're about two, maybe two feet off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we're separated, and then I then I start to see some of the meals, and I'm thinking I don't do I don't eat rice, I don't do that. And then I looked at the showers and <laughs> outdoor showers, outdoor showers, which is okay, but sure. there were they, were, they weren't hot, they were cold, mm-hmm. and there was supposed to be hot water, but it never showed up. And so I just all my selfishnesses started mm-hmm. rising up in me, yeah. and so I'm thinking about you know why they're telling the story. And I think the, what spoke to me was we can take whatever is given to us and we can turn it into something beautiful. Mm-hmm. So you know, just like this piano player was furious, he didn't have the right tools to do what he wanted to do. He still was able to create this magical album. And I'm going to link the album because I listened to it. After I heard the story, I went and found it on Spotify and listened to it while I was scraping. Mm. And it was so cool because when you're an improv piano player, there's no music. 
You just play what you feel. And all throughout the movements, you would hear him make noises like, oh, mm, mm. all through the, and, and so you're, you're hearing him put his soul into that. And I just, I kept looking around while everybody's scraping and y'all were power washing on the roof. And I'm thinking, okay, that's what you do when you go on mission trips is you have this opportunity to get interrupted, to get wrecked, to be told one thing and to show up and something else totally happens. Or what do you do when they don't have the right tools? You're going to get mad. Well, what if they couldn't find the right tools? So you just figure it out. And I think that's just one of the biggest things God reminded me of is we've got to put away our, our plannedness and our preparedness a lot of times and just go and be and do in the moment. And that's where the beauty and the magic happens. Mm. Well, while you were having that enlightening experience, uh, because you brought headphones and could kind of get into your own space, listen to a podcast, I did not have that experience while I was scraping the fence and power washing. I didn't have headphones. Um, and I just, I was tapped out. That was our last full day of work. And I am an introvert and I need a lot of introvert time. And when you're staying in a group, you know, uh, with all girls, um, and, you know, getting to know, I think Melissa too. And, but it's not, it's not always comfortable. Everything's kind of disrupted and there's just always talking going on and people everywhere. Cause you're in this team of nine and then you're going more places with more people. There was never a real space to just get alone. And I constantly felt like somebody's asking me, Hey, what are you doing? Hey, those are going, going here, going there. And I'm like, oh my God, like quit <laughs> observing me. I just want to be like, can I just kind of be invisible right now? Or just no one notice I'm here. Or just so the I questions can, from where, when they would that, find well, that's out. What I'm getting, that's what I'm getting to is that by the, I had already felt like I was extending just even with our team of nine and living where we were living for the week. I already felt like I was over, you know, extending. And then by this last day, um, we didn't just work with our team. We worked with a new team that we had not really been around that much before. And as soon as it's like, you know, we're from Waco. Oh my gosh, like Chip and Joe and Fixer Upper. And then all the questions about that. And then it was all the, well, what do you do? Well, I run a nonprofit. Well, what kind of nonprofit? Well, it's called Jesus Said Love. Oh, what a cool name. Well, what does Jesus Said Love do? And then it's what we do. And then it's just more questions. And I just found my ego and my, I was out of space. I had no more bandwidth and what God kept reminding me of. And I just kept getting so frustrated because the people who were there doing the same work I was, the women who were asking me these questions were so, you know, at least outwardly, like super joyful, like just wanting to gab it up, just gabby gab gabs at and the you're fence. Not gabby gab. I'm not because I feel I felt like one. I'm never going to see you again, probably. <laughs> like I'm not. And do you really care? Like it. It felt a little bit insincere, even though it probably wasn't. Um, they're just extroverts, and they were just like, "This is the way we get through work is by." talking nonstop. And the way I get through work is bury my head, be, and go to town. Like that's the way I get through hard work and hard times is just to really go inward. And they really had to go outward. And so it just reminded me, number one, it's okay that I'm introverted, but number two, you know, I'm, I'm working on 
a book right now and it's all about creating a space for love. And I'm like, I have no space in me anymore. Like, how is it that God is so infinitely spacious, so infinitely compassionate? And, um, you know, God just reminded me, it's okay, Emily, go be kind to yourself, be patient with yourself. You're not perfect. And the easier you take it on yourself, the easier you'll take it on others. Mm. And so that was my lesson. You had the piano moment. I had the check in with Jesus moment. Um, <laughs> That's good. So yeah. That's good. It's great. I, I do want to tell this one last story as, okay. as we kind of start to wrap things up. Um, Cause I thought it was really cool and I'm going to be honest. We don't really ever talk about this. You don't, you're never going to see this on our Instagram or, um, but, but the truth is we're friends with Chip and Joe. And so when we get asked those questions, you know, you don't, you don't want, we don't want to violate any kind of relate or make that a big braggadocious sort of deal. And, um, so we were, when they find out we're from Waco, we get a lot of questions. So there was one particular intern of the church who, when she found out we were from Waco, she's asking all about it. And I'm, we're kind of laughing and she's 15. And so she's like starstruck and she's going on and on and on about, about fixer, fixer upper, upper on and, she, and on and, and on and on. Finally, I, she goes, are you, Brett, are you really sure you're friends with Chip and Joe? I mean, you're just making this up. I don't know that I believe you and da, 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 And so I thought, oh my gosh, I'm just, let's just see. So I texted Chip. I said, Hey, we're in Puerto Rico. Your number one fan is sitting right next to me. <laughs> Is there any way, I don't know where you are in the country right now, but is there any way you could just tell her hi? And my expectations was for him just to respond with a text and say hi. Mm -hmm. Like I thought that's what he was going to do. About an hour and a half later, we get back to the church and uh, Chip is in a video and a personal video (laughs) to Fabi and verifying our friendship. And and it's, she's so, so she walked over and said, hey, Fabi, look at this pull my phone out and hit play and she starts sobbing yeah she started crying because she she has this personalized message from chip Gaines from waco texas and it was just first of all i just can't say enough great things about chip and joe and the fact that he would take like 20 seconds to do that was just really rad that's just the kind of guy he is and it blessed this girl she put on her insta story and her phone's blowing up and oh my gosh and so it's just this really neat it was just a cool moment and yeah. she was blessed and it was fun. And so, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. It was very kind and gracious. Uh, he did not run out of space for love. For, he for didn't, Bobby. he did not run out of a space for love <laughs> oh, and actually good. said, I need to come to Puerto Rico and see your house. So who knows? <laughs> Fix her up for Puerto Rico. There you go. Maybe so. Well, guys, my family, I can't tell you enough how proud I am of you. How much I trust you. I saw you guys work hard. You didn't fight with each other. Um, You served one another. You, You just, you slayed it this week. I think dad and I both, when we got back, thought, we really could go anywhere with you guys. Like, we we don't just love you. We like you. We really like you. And I was so proud of just even the way you navigated discomfort, even in airports and all the flights it took to get there. But you, y'all are just, y'all are some cool kids and we're grateful to call you ours. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Do you guys have any final words? Any final parting? thoughts? What would you say to the family, even thinking about going on a mission trip together? Do it. <clears throat> it's really fun. I highly recommend it. It's really fun. 
<laughs> I recommend you to do it. If you even have like the slightest doubt, just do it because you probably won't do it again. Just believe in yourself. Even if it's just in like in your state. Like, yeah. I went to Port Arthur. Like I would never think to go on a mission trip to Port Arthur. But if you get the chance to go on a mission trip with your family or just with some of your good friends or just by yourself, do I it. highly recommend it because it's yeah. super fun. Do it. Who of your parents is the best person to sit by on the airplane? Oh, my gosh. I'm just kidding. I didn't sit by either of y'all, so. Hattie. Oh, no. Hattie. (laughs) She's not your parent, kid. (laughs) Well, hey, guys. Thank you for joining us on this um, unique podcast episode. Thank you for having us. (laughs) Uh, You are welcome here anytime, Gus Mills. You are a great guest. Thank you for answering our questions. And we do just want to say to all of you guys who have supported us in prayer and who've supported us financially to be able uh, to do this, it was incredibly valuable and to the point where we're not even, we'll never even see really the fullness of, of what's happened. I do know that as we walk away, as it relates to the work of Jesus Said Love, Um, There's a lot of work to be done there, especially concerning women in the commercial sex industry there in Puerto Rico. That's right. Um, So we are going to continue to hopefully stay in touch with the church and with some of the interns as well, um, who really are passionate about making a way um, to meet the needs of several women who are impoverished and at risk for um, commercial sex exploitation. It was a very eye-opening experience. We didn't get to see a lot, a lot of it, or engage a lot with that aspect. Um, but hopefully it just reminded me that where there is poverty, there are women um, at risk and there are women vulnerable to that. So that's globally. Mm-hmm. Patty, did you have a final word for us? Oh, yes. So I am going to be making a video kind of recapping our whole trip. And I don't know if my dad's going to post it on the website, but I think I'll be able to post it on my Instagram. Or you can put it on the website and you can watch it there. That's becoming soon. I can verify. Like for more. <laughs> um, I can verify. We will post it to the website. Yeah, like and subscribe. <laughs> That's right. That is right. Like uh, and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Leave some stars. Remember on Spotify, Apple Podcast, um, all the things. So check it out. Make sure you send us emails telling us what you want us to talk about. Emily at JesusSaidLove.com. Brett with two T's at JesusSaidLove.com. And we'll catch you guys really soon. See you later. Bye. 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 Hey, thanks for joining the Jesus 